Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. If you love Jesus, say I do. Listen, I don't know if you know this, but we are setting in the middle of a miracle. It took us four years and thousands of prayers from alumni, from friends, and from family. All uh, for the past four years, we've had people walking around this building praying for it. We've had people jogging, jogging. They've done everything around this building, laying hands on this building for us to be able to get into this building. And let me tell you, when I say that there is no way unless Jesus makes a way, listen, there was no way until Jesus made a way for us to get in this building. Come on now, let's give up for Jesus. <clears throat> My goodness. Listen, we have missed you guys so much. We have prayed for you over break. Hopefully you got some rest, amen, right? Got all your great Christmas presents. Rich people, right? But listen, while I was setting down to plan out this school year, I got excited, like I got more excited this semester than I have in a couple previous semesters. I just got like, I got like giddy, like I got like super excited, like when you're about to go on, a, on your first date with that person that you like have had feels for for like the last month, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, he asked me out or, oh, she said yes. And you know, it's like 30 minutes out and you're like happy on the inside, but you're also happy on the outside, and all your friends are like jealous of you, right? Come on now, haters, right? But I got excited because I truly believe that Jesus is going to do something on this campus this year. I truly believe that Jesus is going to ignite something on this campus this year, and I, I just got excited about it. Like, I just really think that we're going to be a part of something that is amazing. Listen, I know that I've walked with a couple of you over the past um, six months, especially a year, and I've seen that you've kind of been in this spiritual limbo. You're not in a bad place, but you're just kind of doing the same motions day in, day out. School, church, crossover, school, church, crossover, maybe a date or two, right? Like, like that you're doing the same thing day in, day out, kind of walking in the desert, not in a bad place, but not in a real exciting place, and you're just waiting for Jesus to do something through you. And I'm telling you, when I started just, just thinking about the semester, Jesus said, that time is now. I truly believe that Jesus is about to do a mighty work across this campus. I think he has one goal for us, and I think that he wants each one of us to proclaim his name on, his, on this campus and to bring people to his feet. But it is going to take some effort from our part. And I truly believe that we need to learn how to unite as one body under Jesus Christ, working for one avenue, and that's to bring Christ praise. It's time for us to unite. It's time for us to learn how to walk together. We need to probably break through some cultural differences. We need to break through some racial tension. We need to break through Greek life and non-Greek life, athlete and non-athlete. Breaks through the things that separate us and start growing towards the only thing that matters in this world, and that's bringing glory to Jesus. Amen? Y'all got me preaching. That's just my intro, right? 
I haven't got to my sermon yet. Golly. My question tonight is, have you ever wondered, or are you wondering, am I a Christian? Anybody, let's raise our hands. Anybody like said like the 132 prayers? Like, Jesus, listen, I know that this is the 132nd time that I've prayed this, but I just need to know that I know that I know that you know that I'm saved, right? Anybody with me? Okay, four people, awesome. Because I'm the only one that's ever doubted my salvation, right? Here's another question for some of you. How many of us have ever wondered, am I doing this Christian walk right? All right, there we go. Here's some spiritual people up in here. Come on. I hope that this sermon does two things. First, I hope that it teaches those who are not Christians how to become a Christian. That's always our goal in the crossover, is to lead people to Christ. And my second hope is that it teaches those who are Christians on how to grow in their Christian walk. I've heard this sermon through the years from multiple, multiple ways, multiple avenues, and they have always focused this on 1 John. And I believe that, that when studying this, you can see that there are five signs of Christianity through it. I think there are five aspects that we, as each of us and individuals, we should implement these five things in our life if we want to have a relationship with Jesus and if we want to grow our relationship with Jesus. If you would, for those super spiritual people, grab your Bible. We're going to be in 1 John today. We're going to be kind of going through the whole book of 1 John. And most theologians believe that this letter was written by the same John that wrote the Gospel of John. And we see through this letter that he's writing to a group of churches that were going through some tough times. And these tough times were causing some separation in the church. They were causing people to leave. They were causing some chaos and havoc within this people. And John states that the simple reason was is these false teachers were coming in and they were dropping these crazy ideas and it was almost just wrecking havoc within these churches. And essentially what the false teaching was, it had the same theme. It was simply that they were distorting the truth of the gospel and they were either tricking people into thinking that they had to work their way into relationship or be in a perfect relationship and be a perfect person to be in a relationship with Jesus. And John's like, that's not the gospel. That's not what Jesus ever said. And students, listen if anything is not from Jesus, it will never lead or grow anyone with Jesus. So this is where John focused his attention, was, was sharing the gospel, but he shared it from a simple idea as this, is it is already done for us. Jesus has already paved the way for us. He was introing into this book by just saying that this is the message that we have heard and we proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. So this is where we are going to start today. This is where we are going to focus is under the first sign, and it's the sign of confession. In 1 John 4-2, you will read, it says, By this you know the Spirit of God. 
Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. We have heard Romans 10.9, and it says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that Christ, or that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Students, let's not, get, let's not distort the truth here. Let's always take everything back to Scripture. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus is Lord, what does it say? You will be saved. My four-year-old Revan, what a great, goofy-looking little kid, all right? Looks just like me. Oh, it's scary, dude. I hope he keeps his hair, my goodness. We're sitting there after I cooked this delicious masterpiece of a breakfast the other day. I think it was eggs and like burnt toast, but it's okay. He, he still ate it, but we're sitting there, we're talking. He's like on this big dinosaur kick right now, and he's like, Daddy, do you think that like dinosaurs are going to be in heaven? Because that's what four-year-olds ask, and I was like, well, you know, God made them on earth. I mean, like, I don't know why they wouldn't be in heaven, but I don't really know, and he started thinking a little bit, and he goes, well, are your grandpas in heaven? And I was like, well, I sure hope so, right? Like, yeah, I think they're in heaven. There's no question, there's no question my grandpas are in heaven. Yeah, they're in heaven. He's like, oh, so they're playing with Jesus? And I was like, they sure are, bro. And he's like, I can't wait to go to heaven. Uh, he's like, I want to meet your grandpas so much. And I was like, dude, they're going to love you. And I mean, they're going to they want to listen to every story that you tell all the time, all the time. All the time. He, he talks all the time. I love it. But he looks at me after he takes a big bite of eggs, and I can tell that his mind is still rolling, and he looks at me, and he says, well, how do I make sure that I go to heaven? And I was like, hold up. Is this a four-year-old? <laughs> like, how did we get to this point? I mean, it, the Bible says let's, like, like, let's have faith like a child, but I didn't know like a four-year-old child. And I just had to tell them the truth. I said, man, listen, the Bible says this. Is you have to believe that Jesus is God's Son and God sent Him to this world to die for everything bad that we have ever done, our sins. And if we believe in Him and we ask for forgiveness, it says that we will go to heaven to be with Jesus. Rev's like, well, that's, that's easy, right? Like, I can do that. He's like, listen, I am bad. I pick on my brothers all the time. Like, I do bad things. Jesus, forgive me, right? And he's like, I, of course I believe Jesus is God's son. Duh. Well, I was like, like, I'm over here like half crying, half like kind of questioning what's going on. Like, I'm like, how in the world does this four-year-old, like, I mean, he's getting it. I'm like, like, it's crazy to me. But the reality of the story for so many of us students, is that without confession, there isn't room for salvation in your life. We need confession because confession is admitting that you have been wrong by living for yourself, by sinning day in and day out, and you have fallen short so many times. And when we confess, we lay our face at the feet of Jesus asking Him to take everything that we have ever done wrong away. And it says that He will cast it as far as the east is from the west. But see, confession isn't just only stopped there. Confession is also admitting 
that Jesus is Lord and you believe that He is Lord and He can make your life right. What do we believe? We believe John 3.16. What is the gospel? What is the mini gospel within the gospel? It's John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes. Everybody say whoever. Is there any parameters on whoever? It's whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. Listen, students, without confession, there will be no room for Jesus to cover your sins and to give you eternal life. But John doesn't stop there. He says there's more to Christian life than just confession. There also needs to be the second sign, the sign of change. 1 John 2.29, it says this, if you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. At some point after confession in your life, your life needs to begin to change looking less like you and it needs to start looking more like Jesus. Man, I, was, I wish I was a part of the Anomaly Club. Anybody else? Everybody's like, what the heck is the Anomaly Club? You probably don't know because I made it up. But the Anomaly Club is this. Someone who has lived a life for themselves and they're selfish and they look like the world and they act like the world, but then they have a divine encounter with Jesus and what happens? Man, they lay on their face, they confess it, they give everything to them, they turn from people that aren't bringing them up, they turn from everything that is pulling them down, they turn away from everything that makes them look like the world, and man, they start walking like Jesus the next day, talking like Jesus the next day, proclaiming Jesus the next day, and their testimony is powerful and it is true and it is amazing, right? Like, I love to hear powerful testimonies like that. But guess what? Mine wasn't that way. And it's sad to say, but for most of us, especially me, I've had to chip away at my old self little bit by little bit. Anybody with me? Come on, raise your hands. All right. A couple more Christians. All right. We're getting there. Don't be shy. But listen, I still sin and it's not okay. Like, I still have weak faith in some of the areas in my life and it's not all right. But guess what Jesus never demanded? Jesus never demanded a Christian to be perfect. But he does expect progress. He doesn't just want lip service saying that you are a Christian. But he does want transformation as we heard in Romans 12. And I believe that is why John says in this text that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him, rather than everyone who has mastered righteousness has been born of him. Because practice means you're working on it. You're getting better at it. You're being stronger and stronger day by day. You practice righteousness. He didn't say that you mastered righteousness because that would mean what? That means that you've mastered it. That means you don't have to work on it anymore. But he says that you need to practice and work and take off your old self and become more like Jesus day by day until you meet Jesus face to face. That's why I like that one song lyric when it says, uh, if I'm not dead, he's not done. I think that is even proclaiming it over changing our life to be more like him. Why do we do this? Because he who is holy loves you and he cares for you. And when you have 
made that confession and you realize the grace and the mercy that he lays upon your life and the things that, that he has taken away from you and the, thing, and the mountain of eternity that he has given to you, you will want to be more like him. But John doesn't stop there. John then says that we need to have a sign of compassion. 1 John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Dr. Jeremiah says that once you have been saved, you lose your DNA and you receive God's DNA, and His DNA always produces love. You know, I was a seminary student just a few years ago. I'm just a, I'm just a few years older than y'all, right? I showed y'all at Turkey Bowl that I can still run, though. Amen? All right? Okay, no one's, like, hooped at that. I really was expecting, like, oh, yeah. Well, when I was a seminary student, I was part of a preaching class, and uh, spring break, they would always send us um, about, I think it was about 20 of us guys, they would send us out through America to go and preach a revival, well, I drew out of the hat, I drew, I drew Spokane, Washington. Anybody been there? Okay. Spokane, Washington is where I landed. And when I went there, listen, guys, I had preached maybe three or four times before this revival. And they wanted me to preach four sermons, all right? Your boy was nervous, all right? The, the first Sunday, the pastor, like, opens his office. He said, okay, go in there and, like, just, you know, you can get ready to go, and I was like, okay, good. I walk in, I shut the door. I was like, oh, Jesus, I mean, what am I going to do, right? Like I, like, I can't preach, and I'm sitting there over the pastor's desk, I'm looking over these notes, and I was like, oh, my goodness, Lord, what is happening? He, I swear it was like 30 seconds later. He's like, oh, you ready? I was like, oh, sure am, right? Chill as can be. Man, I walk to that front row, and the, and the music starts playing, and we sing a couple songs. He's like, all right, go get them. And I'll walk up there, guys. I had the shake voice. I was like, hey, guy, like, hello, God, right? Like, I mean, I was so nervous. It was unbelievable. Well, when I opened my Bible and I zoomed kind of my welcome, I realized something. I had left the first two pages of my notes on the pastor's desk. <laughs> Listen, guys, um, I'm not creative enough or holy enough to just go on the fly. And I had, like the, I had like the blood rush to my face, right? I felt like my, my throat was closing, and I just had to grip it and rip it. And I swear it was probably the worst five minutes of preaching in my life. I about stopped the sermon to have them pray for me. Like, it was bad. And I don't know what I said, but it was horrible. I felt horrible. I, I swear I, went, I flew through my notes after that. I think... I went to sit down after, and the pastor goes, well, man, those young guns, they only preached for, and he said, 13 minutes, and I was like, oh my goodness. I sat there, and I was, I was angry. I was angry. I was embarrassed. I was depressed, and I, in, in all honesty, I was doubting my call to ministry. I, I'm serious. Like, it was devastating for me, and I went after the service. I go up, and I stand beside the pastor, and the people are coming in and they're talking to him and they kind of walk by me and I'm just sitting there in shame. Everybody leaves, but this one old woman, and she walks up 
And I kind of have my head down, and she passes the pastor, and she goes right to me. And my, and my hands are in my pocket. I'm kind of looking down. And she puts her fingers right in my belly. That was probably better back then because I had at least two abs, right? And she said, look up at me. And I looked up at her. And guys, it was like I was staring at an angel. You could just tell some of those old people that know Jesus and have been walking with Jesus for a while, like, they don't know how to frown. Like, I literally thought I was looking at an angel. And she looked up at me and she said, listen, like, you have such a calling on your life and your life is magnetic, and I can feel the presence of Jesus in your life, don't lose hope right now. Like, you got something special. You are better than you think you are. Just be yourself, and listen, God will do something in your life, and listen, God loves you, and guess what? I kind of love you too. And like she just kind of says it like that, and she goes, I'm excited to hear your sermon tonight. And guys, listen, that elderly lady, she changed everything. She changed the trajectory of the revival for me. She gave me hope in my ministry again. This elderly lady, she went out of her way to tell me about the love that Jesus has for me and the love that she has for me. And she put a fire underneath me that the devil couldn't put out that day. Christians, how many people in your life need that love right now? They need you to walk up to them and put your arm around them and give them some encouragement. How many roommates need you to put a letter on the counter just saying, listen, I love you. I'm excited to see what God does through you today. How many people in class need you to maybe just go walk over and say, hey, I want to be your friend. You want to go to lunch today? You need to love them so much and so different in the world that they ask you, why? Why do you love me? Well, let me tell you, Johnny, because I have a Savior who loves me, and because he loves me so much, I want to share his love to you. Students, if you want to be different, go love someone for their own good and don't worry about yourself. Because guess what could happen? Your one note or your one bit of encouragement could change the trajectory of not only their day, but it could change the trajectory of their eternity. You want to be different? You want to be unique? You want to be used by God? I want you to wipe this saying away from your life right now. Why don't people love me? That's the devil's terms. And I want you to start saying, how can I love somebody today? Because when you change what direction the love is centered on, you will see Jesus work in your life like you've never seen before. You want to be used by God? Go love people towards God. But John doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, number four, the sign of conflict. 1 John 5, 4 says, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world is our faith. I would say that this is a pretty big sign of not only being a Christian, but also being a growing Christian. Because when you become a Christian, it comes at a cost. It's a cost. The cost is progressive movement of being different than the world and becoming more like Christ. 
When you become a Christian, you have different conflicts than you had before. You have new enemies that you had before. You have conflict with not only your flesh, but you also have conflict with the world like you never had before. You don't do, say, act, or think the way that you did before because now you have Jesus in you. I think it's good. I think some of us in here, if we are honest, we're good at confession. Lord, I believe in you. I think we're, I think we're, we're, we're okay at change. I think we kind of live a life that, that, that could be pleasing to God. And I think we kind of skirt around some things, if we can be honest. I think a lot of us are good at compassion. I think we can love people. But I know that many of us get beat up by this dirty dog of conflict. I think some of us can get stuck in a sin that we don't even like about ourselves. I think we might get stuck even in some anxiety and depression that we don't know how to deal with and our life might be feeling it. We might crumble under the pressure maybe of a calling that Jesus has on your life. And when this conflict arises in our life, we tend to cower down to the conflict rather than facing the conflict. In seventh grade, I remember, I don't, I don't exactly remember what happened, but I, I ticked off the biggest bully in Burke Burnett Junior High School, Michael Leon. I think I might have flirted with his girlfriend. Okay, guys, but I mean, come on, look at this, right? My wife at least loves me, all right? But um, he came out to football practice after school with him and like seven of his posse, and bro, he was coming on a prowl. I'm out there practicing football, and Michael Leon, I mean, he's looking. There's about a hundred of us out there, and he's looking for me. And I'm like standing behind the linemen. Like I'm trying to like roll over by the coaches. Like I'm trying to do everything. So Michael Leon doesn't see me. And he finally sees me and he looks at me. He's like, he's like giving me the, the cut his head off sign. I'm like, my heart's racing. Your boy's about to get beat up, all right? There's no question. I can't take Michael Leon, and I'm about to get embarrassed in front of all my football friends, and I'm about to get embarrassed in front of all the cheerleaders practicing over there. And I'm scared. I'm terrified. Like, I don't know what, what I'm going to do. I just know that I'm about to get beat up. But then a miracle happened that day. For some reason, my dad had a meeting cancel on him, and instead of picking me up after football, football practice, he actually walked around the corner in the middle of my football practice. Guys, I can feel the peace now. When I saw my father, it felt like this veil of peace just like came over me and like rejuvenated my soul. Like, like I knew as long as my father was there, no one else could harm me, right? Because where my father is, there isn't fear in my weakness, but I was joyful in his strength, right? Because my daddy can whoop all of them four boys or six boys, right? John says here that everyone born of God overcomes the world. And the victory is by our faith in our Father. How many of us are being beat by the world right now, but we need to know that, they, that we have a Father that is right there with us, right beside us. And as long as He is there, we can be victorious over anything that this world throws at us. 
Sin won't overwhelm us when our Father is in the room. Stress and anxiety and depression won't control you because the peace of the Father ceases things as soon as He shows up. Students, we will never be able to get over our past. I know some of us are dealing with some of the things in our past until we know that Jesus is there and He has already won victory over your past. You know, what's even funny is that a couple of days later, I'm sitting in the lunchroom, and Michael Leon, he comes, and he sits right in front of me. And he, I, I was like, uh-oh. He said, you know, I would have kicked your butt that day if your, if your dad wouldn't have showed up, right? I was like, okay. He goes, but something else happened. Your dad actually walked over to this, you know, the six of us, and he knew a couple of them. And he's like, he started talking with some of my friends, and your dad's pretty funny. He's a nice guy. And you know what? I, I started listening, and he goes, your dad's a really nice guy. And then he started joking with me. And you know what? I like your dad. I like what he was saying. I liked how it was. He goes, you know what? I'm not going to kick your butt. I didn't kick your butt then, and I'm not going to kick your butt now because of your father. See, students, when... Jesus is the one in control of your conflicts. He will only stop them from beating you for a little while, but He will stop them from beating you forever. Who needs to be free from a conflict in their life right now? It's time to bring Jesus, your Father, into the middle of your mess and let Him help you overcome this world. Because when there is Jesus, there is victory. Where are you being defeated right now? You need to put Jesus in the center of it. The last, number five, is the sign of conduct. First John 3, 9-10, through 10, it says, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. First John 5, 18, there we go. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning because, but, because he who has been born of God protects him and the evil one does not touch him. There's that word practice again. We have seen that we need to practice righteousness, but now it's saying that some of us don't practice righteousness. We practice sin. That means that there are two sides of conduct. We either practice our sin or we practice his righteousness. Just like in sports, John is saying what you practice, you practice what you want to get good at, right? The conduct in our life exposes one thing, who conducts our life. Students, this is why I will never be a popular pastor because of what I'm about to say. Most popular pastors won't say things like this, but I want to tell you the truth. If you can live a life that is in constant rebellion from God and is not living in the freedom of God's grace and is not living for God, then you are deceiving yourself into thinking that you're something that you are not. Can I just say that? Can I be honest with you? If you're walking constantly, totally away from Jesus, if you're not walking with Him and talking with Him and you're living every day for the world and you're living every day for yourself, Listen, you need to take a better evaluation of your life and realize that you are something that you are not. 
Because listen, students, the Bible says no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. You want to know why? Because when you confess and when you change and when you have compassion and when you overcome conflict in your, in your life, you have a sensitivity to the sin that God gives and you will practice getting out of it of your life and you will not still thinking that you need that sin in order for you to have life. Students, our conduct exposes how close or how far we are from Christ. But let me tell you something about Christ. Let me tell you something about our God that is greater than any other thing in this world. Greater than any other religion in this world. 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, He is faithful and He is just to forgive us and our sins to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, a lot of y'all are making New Year's resolutions. You might have already filled them by now. Okay. You have a lot of new starts. Maybe tonight. Some of us maybe need to talk to our prayer team, which are going to be scattered out. They're going to be there in the aisles. And I want you to maybe walk up to them and say, you know what, I'm tired of living the life for myself. I'm tired of living in sin. I'm tired of fooling myself into thinking that I'm something that I'm not. And I want to just confess and I want to give my all to Jesus. That is my biggest prayer for each one of you tonight. I want to be victorious over this world. And I know that Jesus is the only way for me to have that. And lastly, as we close up here, maybe for some of us tonight, maybe we have one or two of the signs. Maybe we have completed one or two of the signs. But maybe we, you know, maybe we have confession and maybe we have compassion, but maybe we lack in conflict, maybe in conduct. And my prayer tonight is for you to make 2022 the year that you look back on a million years from now. You say, that was the time that, you know what, I took my confession and I did something with it. And I turned my life not only partially around, but, you know, I started becoming the man or the woman of God that I needed to be. Listen, students, you are no longer children. You are no longer under your, your parents' faith. It is time for us to make this faith our faith. And listen, maybe tonight you need to turn around to your friend group and say, you know what, tonight let's, make, let's set an accountability. Let's pray together. And you know what, I want to confess that I want to stop this and I want to start living for God. You want to work with me? You want to hold me accountable? Let's pray over that tonight. Maybe you need to come out here and just pray. Maybe you turn around in your chair and pray and say, you know what, God, tonight I don't want to fool myself into thinking that I'm something that I'm not. I want to be sure that I'm doing everything for you. I don't know what you need to do, but I do know this. The longer you live your life away from Jesus, the harder your life will be because you can only overcome the world through His strength, but you can't come over the world with your strength.